Alex, I can't see you. Patrick, I can see you. So that puts me <laughs> at this wonderful, unfair advantage. I love it. But instead I have this like this pulsating icon of you every time you are talking. Oh, so it like kind of it does like a little thing every time my, my voice comes up? Yeah, yeah. So you're here, but it's just like this really tiny, unanimated version of you. Um, and that's sad. But you couldn't get your webcam working because you are away from your normal computer, and that's okay. Yeah, my uh, my MacBook Air, which had been assigned to me for uh, work purposes, has died. Uh, and since I'm at my, uh, my parents' house right now, still in California, uh, I'm now using my, I'm going to say, six-year-old MacBook Pro, which should be working in most contexts, but apparently the webcam portion of it just does not want to cooperate with this, so... I wonder, is the operating system up to date on that thing? It is. I okay. actually updated it uh, yesterday to make sure everything was, hmm. was good to go, but apparently there is just some there is just some stuff that does not coordinate properly with whatever is going on with Google Hangouts. Well, whatever. How was your, how was your holiday? Did you have a good one? I did. I, uh, I, yeah, so I've been out in California since Thursday. I flew in on Thursday, which was lovely because there was no one at any of the airports. Uh, and did Thanksgiving here with my mom, my stepdad, my stepsister, and a couple of uh, family friends. Uh, and the rest of this trip, I've mostly just been uh, kind of hanging out, just just relaxing a little bit, playing some games. Uh, played, started in on the new Zelda on the flight. Uh, didn't get a whole lot into it, but uh, definitely got like the first couple hours done. Uh, enjoyed that. Uh, and I also played a lot of Tearaway. Not all of Tearaway, but I've played a good chunk of it. Uh, hey, that which, is a goddamn good game, isn't that? That is a a, a goddamn great game. Yeah. Uh, I have been enjoying that quite a lot. Uh, other than the whole thing it does where it uh, at the end of every level, it's like, and now your story has ended. But it hasn't! Uh, <laughs> yeah, it does a little bit of the, uh, the cliffhanger stuff, um, maybe two or three many times, and at some point it's like, all right, it just... It's, just tell your story. I, you yeah. don't need to say we're taking another left turn. But, man, everything about that game is just you – know, I, I wrote up a review uh, uh, last week on the site, and it's just charming as fuck. Like, it is yeah. – I feel <laughs> that may be a crass way to describe what is such a cute game. But, man, it, it just you, – you cannot help but have a smile uh, the entire time that you play that game. It is definitively one of the most cheerful games I've played in a good long while. Um probably right alongside the new Mario, which I've, I've played a good chunk of as well. Uh, just bright, colorful, happy, fun, imaginative, all those, you know, superlatives. I, I've been enjoying it a lot. Uh, other than, yeah, I was going to say, other than that, uh, mostly it's just been kind of hanging out here, not doing a whole lot. I went to that uh, trampoline place in San Francisco yesterday and nearly destroyed my back in the process, but that was fun regardless. Oh, yeah, I have, I've been there once. For people that don't know, it is basically just a warehouse full of huge ridiculous trampolines that adults go to to <laughs> to pretend they are children yep that is accurate uh and let me let me tell you i have no child anymore uh, or at least my spinal column is no longer a child so <laughs> uh we're not gonna do that again for a little while that was fun uh so do you like when you go back for your family stuff is it mm-hmm. is it you just sneaking in games like when you're kind of laying on the couch or does do your family do any games together or is that kind of just your own domain that's pretty much my own domain. Uh, I am I am definitively the, uh, the 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 gamer of the family. So you know, every now and again, one of them will look over my shoulder and be like, "Hey, what's that?" But then they will never proceed to go any further than that, like saying, "Hey, can I play that?" Uh, the girl, you know, my girlfriend will certainly play games with me, and she's into it. But like the the rest of my family is pretty much just nah, not so much. 
See, we we go to my wife's family in uh, Nebraska for usually for Thanksgiving, and then I'm I'm the guy because I'm the video game guy, obviously, as all of us that are in sort of this position in the industry just kind of get pigeonholed into that position in your family. It's just oh, he's the video game guy. Yeah. Um, so I, I always I always tend to bring the new toy with me. Uh, you know, whatever's new or or, or interesting, uh, I usually drag it with me there, and then it's a chance to. Uh, for them to try it out. And so I brought my Xbox and my PS4 because I was in San Francisco when that stuff came out. Barely had a chance to touch it when I was home before I had to immediately go to Nebraska. And I thought, well, I just spent $1,000 on these damn machines. I'm going <laughs> to bring them with me. And even if I won't play them while I'm there, uh, you know, her cousins were, were obviously super excited to have the opportunity to, to play both of those. Um, yeah, understandable. Although I will say the, the Oculus once again proved to be the thing uh, you know, the Xbox and PS4 basically appealed to the, the video game guys. Uh, they were already at the, the Thanksgiving gathering, but uh, the Oculus Rift got everyone uh, sort of freaking out. Uh, and there was this big uh, group of people all watching Dread Halls, which was, you know, that horror game where you have the map. Yep. Um, and what was the best part was watching. So uh, some of the daughters uh, that were, were in attendance, uh, you know, don't really know how to control, a, you know, dual analog, analog stick game controller very well. So instead, their brother was the one piloting it while they put on the VR headset. And that led to some really hilarious scenarios where the brother was being a real dick. And, you know, you're supposed to run away from the monsters in that game. But, right. you know, the brother in wanting to torture his sisters would make sure that they saw the lady in white uh, over and over again, despite what they... <laughs> may or may want it to, want it to do what an asshole oh god yeah I, I can only imagine what i would happen if i even tried to put one of those headsets on any of my family because they i mean again they, they the last video game console my stepdad for instance touched was an n64 and you know it's they, they just have less than zero interest primarily but i also imagine i could get some good chuckles out of making them play some of that stuff if i had to the he- the, he- the the oculus seems to sort of transcend the video game part a little bit uh, because it is sort of a big G whiz technology and, and VR is something that people have seen in movies and, you know, so it's, it's for people to think like, Oh, I just don't play video games or, Oh, you know, I'm above video games. Like the, for whatever reason I have found uh, even people that seem to be slightly prejudiced uh, to video games uh, find the Oculus kind of fascinating. Like, um, you know, my wife's well, it's different, uncle. you know, it's yeah. different than the usual technology and, and setup that they're used to. And it, it's, you know, it's one of those things that even when it's at its jankiest, it still feels like, you know, a, a, a wild stab into the future a little bit. Yeah, it's it, like specifically there was the, the roller coaster, you know, was kind of the demo that everyone knows. But that is the one every single time that I had, you know, family members lining up to be the next one to play because it's it's. I think part of the problem is that, you know, when you see these video games, it's sort of, you know, it's these fantastic worlds that people can pretty easily write off. But like a roller coaster is something that everyone knows. Yeah. And everyone knows how a roller coaster is supposed to feel. And everyone knows how a roller coaster uh, makes you feel when, when, you, when you're on it. And so I think that's why that ends up proving so popular is because that's something someone has done in their youth or has done recently and be like, okay, I, I know how this roller coaster is going to go. It's not you know, Gears of War or some other video game with, with a gun. Um, and I think that's also why the, the there's this one other demo called Tuscany, which is sort of the original Oculus demo where you're kind of going around a house 
and and you can kind of just look off at this these vistas. Um, that one also proves a big hit because it's like, oh, it's just a beautiful house in a beautiful part of the world. Um, you know, it's something people can relate to as opposed to, uh, you know, any number of regular video games, which just is too abstract for people to, to kind of grapple with. But, um, please, please tell me more about Tearaway because I don't think anyone else on this site is going to play Tearaway and I think it might just be you and me. And that really bums me out. (laughs) Yeah, that would really bum me out because that game is is charming as hell. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it the thing that has struck me the most about it, apart from the art style, which is pretty fantastic, uh, and you know, immediately caught the eye of pretty much anyone that saw me playing it over the course of the weekend, um, is just how kind of effortless a lot of the touchscreen and Vita stuff feels. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where. They definitely throw the kitchen sink at that game in terms of like trying to do like all the different you know uh, touchscreen and camera and all that stuff uh, with the Vita for the game and but like the mechanics of it are really simple and they're really functional. Like there's no, I've, I'm, I think I maybe ran into like one or two instances where it wasn't quite doing what I wanted it to do, but that was usually because I didn't quite understand what it wanted me to do, so I wasn't like you know quite doing it right. Uh, you know, in general, like everything it tries to do with the Vita tech, it does really, really well, which is kind of a nice change of pace from, you know, some of the, I don't know, I guess some of the, 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 not that there's been a whole lot of Vita games in general and not necessarily a whole lot of Vita games that have tried to really take, you know, advantage of that technology really since launch. Cause it's been stuff like, yeah, it's like stuff like escape plan, you know, like that's like the last, like really Vita centric game I can remember coming out. Uh, otherwise it's just been a lot of stuff that, you know, is handheld focused, but is not necessarily focused on being a Vita game primarily. And that's kind of a nice change of pace to have that. Yeah. And it's, this is just kind of a tiny thing, but I've been uh, playing a bunch of a link between worlds uh, at the same time that I'm playing Tearaway, and the DS touchscreen is terrible. Not that that is news to anybody, but especially when it comes to using your fingers, you know, I, 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 my stylus is buried somewhere, but for most games, you can kind of get away with just fudging your finger, you know, especially in A Link Between Worlds where you're mostly doing it to switch items that are big fat icons or, uh, but the thing is when you want to drop pins on the map and you want to like, Hey, I know there's a secret over here that I can't get to now, but I want to come back. So I'm going to, I'm going to pin that. So I've been using that actually pretty, pretty often. You know, I can't get it to work half the time with my finger. Um, and it's just... I, I've known that's the case for a long time, but then playing Tearaway, a game that is constantly having you touch the front and back and allows a certain level of precision uh, that you can just do what you need to do and not worry about it. Um, I don't know. It was just nice uh, and just reinforced. Uh, you know, I know why Nintendo's touchscreen is as bad as it is. It's for cost reasons, but man, it, it is terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's not very good. Uh if you have the stylus and you you know the and the functions they're trying to make you do aren't too specific, it's fine. You know, it'll do the job. But like the more the more specificity they they kind of plug into that thing, the less fun that 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 thing is to deal with. The one thing I will say about Tearaway uh in regards to that stuff in general and just everything is that it is just it does what every good Vita game does, which is remind me how sad it is that they're, the Vita is such a, a really terrific piece of technology. Like, it's a really good, well-designed, you know, very well-functioning system. Very surprisingly powerful for what it is. And, you know, there's just not really any games for it. It's like, there's no, there's not a lot of good reasons to buy that system. And every time there is a new one, I'm happy that it's there, but... You know, those come so few, far, few and far between that 
I, you know, you talked a little bit in, in various, we've talked a little bit in various points about how that system is kind of re, uh, I don't know, I guess recapitulated itself sort of as like this, you know, secondary device to the PS4 now, since it does the, the remote play. Uh, that's kind of how, how Sony is positioning it now, which I'm not really convinced will help sell that device at all. I think the only thing that would feasibly sell that device in, in greater numbers is maybe a slightly cheaper price and a good deal more games than it has right now. And it just yeah. makes me sad because I can't remember the last time there was a, a good gaming platform, I guess. Well, I guess maybe it was the Dreamcast, but I don't really want to I don't really like to throw that association around too much. But it's the last time that was probably the last time I, I enjoyed a platform as much as I did that had so little support behind it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think if, if you are buying a PS4 or own a PS4, the Vita is uh, a very worthwhile addition, especially if you're going to, you know, especially if you're going to have Plus, which is sort of a, a requirement going forward uh, on PS4 if you want to do multiplayer. So most people are going to have Plus, yeah. um, which makes the Vita, I think, a really compelling device, especially if you can find a sale like today. I think Amazon has uh, the Vita bundled with the Walking Dead and a big memory card and a case. Mm -hmm. maybe something else for like 179 that's a really and, good deal and i think tearaway is also ten dollars off on amazon today i was looking at some of the deals this morning and you know if, if i didn't already have one that would you know i think that would be a, a good compelling reason especially if you think you're going to have a ps4 or do have a ps4 i think it will be something you use quite a bit um but if you would just want a handheld device you yeah know, the 3ds is a not great system with a ton of games and I think the Vita will be one of the, you know, sort of like the Wii U or the GameCube in, or the N64, like a lot of Nintendo consoles, in the sense that, you know, in a couple of years, the Vita will have a really compelling library of games that will make it worth picking up and getting a lot of that stuff for very cheap. Um, but if, if the Vita is your sort of like primary handheld system and you don't have that connected to a PS4, and especially if you don't get a Plus account, like yeah. that, that removes a lot of the reasons, uh, I think, to, to get one necessarily right now. But you're right. It is, you know, I kind of alluded to that in the beginning of my Tearaway review, was that it feels like Tearaway is this sort of look into an alternate world where things went slightly differently for the platform, yeah. and you had a bunch of games that were you know, taking uh, really interesting advantage of all the features in there, uh, because it just doesn't feel tacked on. Like, I... The platforming part of Tearaway, I think, is probably still its weakest element. Yeah. Um, it, it remains uh, a difficult thing for Media Molecule to crack, but I think what they did differently in Tearaway was play down the platforming and play into their strengths, which is, like, they're clever, they're funny, uh, they know how to make gimmicks that just feel genuine, like, because mm -hmm. they're still sort of gimmicks, but... They, they work really well within the context of the world and, and the aesthetic plays into the mechanics and it, it just feels like it plays everything to Media Molecule strengths and it, the only times where I really got frustrated with that game were, were later on if you're trying to do all the collectibles, uh, which I did enjoy doing for the most part, uh, the precise platforming just isn't that great. Uh, no. I, found, I found it difficult to line up uh, my jumps, uh, the way the shadow of your character uh, displays doesn't allow you to use that to your advantage in, in the ways other games do, and the camera doesn't always turn around uh, in the instances that you want it to. Um, but you just you have to deal with precision platforming so few uh, times in that game that it just never really added up to be uh, that much of a frustration. Yeah, I think I'm far enough along that I've only had one frustrating platforming sequence so far, so I, I expect there will probably be a couple more of those ahead of me. But, um, 
Yeah, I you know, and, and the one thing I, I don't want to dismiss the the remote play thing outright because that is kind of a cool feature. That's something that I I took advantage of a few times while I was reviewing Assassin's Creed Four, uh, which will be up on the site this week. Uh, it's a it, it, that is actually a really rad feature. Um, that that's something that I had no intention of really using at all, just kind of in my own you know day to day life. But you know, as I increasingly found myself wanting to move away from just my desk playing that game, that damn, goddamn thirty five hour game or whatever the hell it is. Um, that, that I'm I'm shocked how like easy and simple that thing is to use like functionality wise like it literally is just like plug it in press the button make the thing go and it goes and you can just play and it actually looks really nice on that screen like surprisingly yeah and I saw there was a video on YouTube of some people you know trying to kind of stretch the technology a little further than than maybe Sony would recommend and it sounds like people were using you know the 4G on their phones and tablets as a hotspot and uh, getting remote play to work. Uh, just fine, uh, which I think is really impressive and cool. Also, sounds like a great way to use up your bandwidth cap. Um, yes, but but the fact that it does work, uh, you know, makes me excited for maybe what's going to happen in the future. And I and I think, and this is, uh, I believe David Perry said on Twitter that some of the Gaikai stuff is used in remote play, mm-hmm. and so. It does make me a little hopeful that maybe they'll find a way to make this PS3 backwards compatibility stuff work in a not terrible fashion. Um, obviously, I'm sure this gives them a lot of data on people's like, you know, f- their own network setups on what's working and what's not working. You know, right. remote play is currently limited to 30 frames a second. Uh, you know, I imagine they could bump that up if you have a fast enough connection, but it makes sense why they don't uh, currently. And um, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think you're right that. Uh, I'm in the same boat as you that I won't use it all that often. But for yeah. games that have, let's say, a ton of collectibles that I do want to engage with, putting that on remote play and then also watching TV sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very handy if there's anything else you want to do because especially with those you know those those games that just have a tendency to keep going and going and going as uh, as as AC4 did. At least I enjoyed it. I'll say that much. But man, that game just did not want to stop. Well, those those are Assassin's Creed games in general. Those games are not not short by any definition. Um, but I, you you're you're really enjoying that one because that I is did. like my next big game. I did. Uh, I you know I went in kind of hearing that it was good, but not necessarily expecting a whole lot, and ended up enjoying it a whole lot more than I had planned to. Uh, as someone who really did not like three at all. Yep. Uh, this is you know the, this is probably the first AC that I would you know consider fully open world in terms of like you can just hmm. kind of go to all these very distant you know somewhat differing locations and just kind of point to point to point on the map with the with either fast travel or with the with your boat and that stuff is done surprisingly well. Uh, the world has a very lively, active feel to it. Even when you're just kind of out on the ocean, there's always like something going on. Even if that something is, like, a little ridiculous, like, constant naval battles going on in the background or just, like, nonstop cargo and castaways, like, floating around in the ocean. Uh, but that's certainly better than the kind of weird dead zones that a lot of the the, the, the world in 3 had. Um, and, you know, Edward Kenway is not the most detailed or exciting character in AC lore, but he's interesting enough, and the the story and the scenarios they build around him are really fun. Like the go, 
all the towns feel are like you know have tons of activities in them and they're pretty variable and it does it, like i i only a couple of times found myself getting like a little bored with the progression of it most well, of the time i'm oh, sorry go ahead I was just going to say that I think that series set an unfortunate high watermark for itself with Ezio. And that's, you know, Ezio was such a cool character. Like, he was suave and funny and sexy and interesting. And then, you know, making another character like that is 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 not an easy uh, task. No. And, and in the case of Kenway, like, he's, you know, I mean... They do a pretty good job of making him an, uh, an interesting enough, you know, kind of rogue type. Like, he's not an assassin by by normal definition like you find out in the opening minutes of that game that like he steals the identity of an assassin that he kills and then he just sort of like plays both sides between the templars and the assassins at various points in that game he just happens to be really good at jumping around and stabbing dudes. so you know that in that in that respect it's kind of interesting because he's not just the traditional guy who is on the assassin side just fighting templars all the time and that's yeah neat. I've, I've I've was encouraged. Uh, you know, I haven't played the game yet, but one of the things yeah. that I asked some folks that did was, I've sort of, I thought for a little while that Assassin's Creed sort of like general mythology and like the crazy sci-fi stuff was was fun in a really over the top goofy way, and then yeah. three just like made me just not like I could I have a high tolerance for uh, dumb bullshit, and I just thought three handled it about as poorly uh, as it could be handled. Three um, is the Matrix Revolutions of that series. Yeah, and and so I was encouraged by the people that you know also like me uh, disliked three and found themselves surprisingly uh, enjoying four was that the game seems to downplay a lot of that. You know, it takes place mm-hmm. after the events of three, but it's not a direct sequel. It doesn't really pick up with any of the implications left at the end of three. And in addition to actually, that, actually, it's a prequel. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Well, no. So the sci-fi stuff is a sequel, but the the sto- the Kenway story stuff. It, you play as uh, the whatever the dude's name, Connor, right? In the third mm-hmm. one, you play as his grandfather. Okay. So 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 the so the stuff you're in is a prequel, but this the meta stuff is yeah. a sequel. Okay. And the meta stuff is really a very small chunk of the game. Like the the pieces of that that exist, like the, the, I, without getting explaining what actually happens. The setup is just that you are a person who works at Abstergo Entertainment, which is a video game developer that uses the the, the Animus to uh, create, you know, to, to pull down memories and and uh, and and stuff uh, under the auspices that you are developing video games around that stuff. Uh, obviously, there is something slightly crazier and more shadowy going on there, but really, all you do in that stuff is go around hacking computers, and then story stuff happens around you. And hmm. honestly, if you skip all the computer hacking, like that takes up maybe like a twentieth of the game total. The rest of the time, it's just you in the Animus doing the Edward Kenway stuff. And I actually appreciated that because, well, yes, I found you know some of the earlier instances of the the Desmond story, uh, you know, kind of over the top and crazy and fun. Uh, I got real tired of that stuff real quick. Like honestly, I have always thought the Assassin's Creed series would do better if it mostly ditched that stuff and just stuck to the historical stuff. And I realize they won't now. Like that's that they're they're way in way too deep with that mythos now to ever just ditch it. But this one is great because it doesn't really force too much of that present day stuff on you at all. In fact, lets you primarily just spend your time in the Animus doing piratey stuff. That sounds that sounds pretty damn good. I'm, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I, I yeah I'm excited. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick that up on uh, 
uh, for my PS4. Uh, seems like that's kind of kind of the the place to play that. Uh, so it is the best the best version, and and I like to, it. Seems like a good reason to to check out some of the remote play stuff. I just kind of need to. Uh, I I didn't mention the top of the the hour, but I I'm also on a crappier camera because I don't have all my stuff because I just moved into an apartment in Chicago. I was gonna uh, say congratulations, yesterday. sir. Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, we <laughs> without getting into uh, specifics, we are. Paying hundreds of dollars of less and getting way, way more uh, in Chicago, and this whole Midwest thing seems like it's working out uh, pretty well. <laughs> it's it's fascinating how when you go just about anywhere in the country that isn't, let's say, San Francisco, New York, or Los Angeles, mm-hmm. uh, you can actually afford to live there. Yeah, it's uh, it's real nice. So uh, we we got most of our stuff in here, but I have to go back to my parents' house and grab the rest of the stuff. Um, so we can start uh, kind of figuring out what our setup is. But I'm more excited about uh, tomorrow night because uh, I'm black Friday. Uh, you know, today's Cyber Monday, so there's a lot more deals happening on places like Amazon. It's much more digitally focused. But there were still deals happening on websites on Friday. Right. Um, I, I highly recommend people check out the site uh, slickdeals.net. Um, they are sort of a site that's been around for a long, long time. doesn't have the best uh, web design in the world, but it gets the job done on telling you uh, where the best deals are on various things on the internet, and uh, they pointed me to a uh, a sixty inch uh, Vizio uh, TV that I picked up for six fifty, uh, which is Damn. showing up uh, tomorrow evening. And I know people have some very strong opinions about the Vizio brand, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, by uh, all the research I've done on that uh, TV is that uh, it is very solid. Uh, it's not the best TV in the world, <clears throat> but uh, for the price. Uh, for the size, and also most crucially, uh, possibly for games, uh, the input lag uh, on it is is very very small uh, compared to some of the other bigger TVs. Uh, so I'm just I've had a really crappy 720p 37 inch uh, TV for the last seven or eight years, Damn. and I've I was mostly just waiting for this TV to die. Um, mm-hmm. I I tend to try and wait, you know, use things as long as possible before buying something new. And I did want to get a TV that was 3D because I actually do like 3D quite a bit. Right. Um, especially if you if you haven't seen the movie Dread in 3D, then That's you have the not way to seen do it. Believe it or not, you have not seen what 3D is capable of. That is like 3D in the in the in the hands of a master with that film. Uh, it looks so damn cool. But you know, I think in aggregate, uh, I will get more enjoyment out of uh, more inches on a TV. So I got that, and uh, I'm just. I am just so damn excited to have a brand new TV and to hook that up. And also, like, kind of the way our living room is going to be set up is that our couch is going to be a little bit closer than it normally was, which means I've almost doubled the size of my TV and I will be sitting closer to it, which is just, it's going to be hilarious. Your eyes, your your retinas are just going to burn right out. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited about that. Are you are you on the lookout for for anything in this this, this deal Monday? Not really. Uh, I so far the only thing I've bought uh, over the course of the weekend at all was all five of the uh, the current uh, Song of Ice and Fire books were on sale on Amazon for ten bucks for like uh, like total for all five books on on Kindle. So I was like, why not? I might as well finally not actually read those but have them. <laughs> so. Uh, so I did that, but other than that, I, I, I bought a bunch of games already, uh, when I was, you know, pre-ordering consoles and all that stuff, so I don't, there weren't a lot of deals I was out looking for, and I'm probably, I'm gonna say two years away from needing a new television, because the Mm -hmm. 42-inch, uh, 
one I have does 1080p and still looks really, really nice. So, like, it's, it's smaller, but at the same time, it looks so sharp that I don't feel like I need to replace it yet. Yeah, I need to... I'm essentially using the fact that we've moved as the first time that I'm going to sort of, like, upgrade some of our AV stuff. So I also have this god-awful uh, receiver that I bought when we first moved to San Francisco six years ago, and the speakers attached to that are terrible. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of getting... I'm thinking of getting a sound bar. So am people, I. I've been thinking about seem that to re- too. Like, it seems like the best... It's, 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 it's good sound quality that can give you a sense of stereo, and it makes a lot of sense in an apartment as opposed to having, you know, five uh, speakers set up uh, right. in an apartment that maybe you can't alter the walls or put things in in a way to get that set up properly. Yeah. So the, the sort of constrained space that our little living room setup is going to be in... I think I'm going to get a sound bar. That's, it seems like people that do have uh, some of the nice ones um, are pretty happy with them. Yeah, I, I would be curious to know what ones people recommend because I've thought about getting one of those for a while, and I just haven't, mostly out of you know not really understanding what the, the difference between the good ones and the bad ones myself. Um, that would go really well in my apartment, though. I will say that now that I have two goddamn fairly sizable cameras set up in front of my tv uh the 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 real estate in front of my television is becoming increasingly sparse (laughs) do you have the ps4 camera i do and i like it because it works you know it just it just when i turn on my ps4 it just looks at me it signs me in i don't have to do anything the four voice commands it actually has all seem to pretty much work so you know it's nice i'm kind of hoping they add something to that the connect has been a lot more hit or miss for me so mm-hmm. well you know I, i'm maybe a little less fond of that i can't get it to turn off it, it doesn't really? listen to me yeah I, it'll turn on when i tell it to and it'll do some of the snap stuff no problem but if i say xbox turn off or xbox off or xbox shut down or xbox fuck you it doesn't do anything and it, it's so maddening that that one command for some reason just won't work yeah that's weird i we i've had the exact opposite of that which is that it turns off just fine and the frustrating part is that it doesn't, you know, it has a pretty limited vocabulary. So right. it can't, maybe it's my enunciation, but it couldn't seem to tell, the, it didn't seem to be able to account for uh, yep and yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it needs to hear yes. Yeah. Um, where, you know, whereas the nice part about, uh, you know, the, I forget what Google's voice thing is called, but whatever their thing they have on, you know, mobile devices and, and Siri, which is also not fantastic, but is useful for a number of different functions. Um, you know, you can say, yep. And yeah, like it knows some other vernacular, like it knows some slang. And I think the, the biggest problem with connect is that it's trying to do a whole lot more. And it can be frustrating when you're not using the very specific language that it wants you to use. Um, yeah. like, like I should be able to say Xbox open Netflix and not right. Xbox go to Netflix. And I think they'll get there. You know, I, I think part of the reason you don't have that stuff is that you just need more data. Um, right. You know, like you need to be able to collect more uh, data from users in order to make that stuff happen. You know, like when it does work, it works really, really well, which suggests to me that it's largely a software thing, not a hardware thing. And they just need the algorithm to be able to interpret uh, more data. They said, I'm hoping because I when it does work. I do really like it. And the fact that it signs you in, I think if it does, if neither of these cameras do nothing else, I think just signing you in is just a really neat gimmick uh, that also just saves you some headache, especially when it comes to like uh, connecting your controllers uh, to your device. Like it just does it. And I don't know that that's like the, the right threshold of 
uh, usability and gimmick that like they cross in the middle and it mm-hmm. actually becomes a useful function. Uh, so I would definitely like more of that stuff. Well, I mean, considering the fact that there are basically next to no Kinect games on the horizon and less than no uh, PS4 camera-focused games on the horizon, maybe that is all they're going to do for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see major updates to that stuff until, you know, the big year-over-year firmware updates uh, next year. You know, I think they'll want to spend the time collecting the data, making that stuff work, and then if we do see any refinements... You know, I guess it'll be next fall, but I was kind of hoping because these machines both have background downloading and can update uh, on their own that, you know, it kind of solves, you know, Sony's continued problem last generation, which was all these damn updates that interrupted your ability to watch a movie, play games. Right. And this time around, you know, that should just happen at night and you don't, it doesn't matter how often they update it. Uh, so hopefully we get something in between of that, which is like maybe I would. It'd be great if we got like a spring update and a fall update. You know, something that brought in some new features, made it feel fresh, um, but it wasn't all the way. You know, waiting till E three to hear exactly what that stuff is. So unfortunately, I think we probably will be, which is I think you're probably but, right. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Did you uh, did you play any other games? <sighs> Not really. Uh, it's mostly just been Zelda and Tearaway here, um, and I need to play a lot more Zelda. Uh, though that game is. You know, the two hours or so I've spent playing it, I really, really enjoyed. Uh, I like the feel of it a lot. It's really damn good. I've, I've probably put maybe six or seven hours into it. I think I've finished, um, you know, two or three of the dungeons in, in the Dark World uh, section. And just it's, yeah, you know, obviously it's building off sort of a masterpiece. You know, it's yes. using one of the greatest games ever made as a template. But uh, I was listening to the, the 8-4 uh, Play podcast, and, and they were talking about the game. And one of the points that John Riccardi made was that Hopefully, this game serves not only to remind players about the best elements of Zelda games that have been lost uh, for a long, long time. Yeah. But maybe in the uh, the act of creating this, it also gives the developers confidence to infuse the the Wii U Zelda game with some of these sensibilities. Because while it's fun that you're playing a familiar world that's been kind of remixed and is a little bit different, you know. I think what we all truly want is a brand new world that has that same sort of feeling of exploration that you would, you don't know what's around the next corner because you can't use any of your nostalgia to, to sort of fuel uh, what might be there. And the idea that they would be able to take that to like a fully realized big 3D world and kind of make you know the next leap that we've wanted them to make uh, with, with sort of bringing Zelda into the, to that dimension – I just hope it gives them the confidence to do that because I, what I really like about A Link Between Worlds is how, you know, I'm echoing a lot of other uh, sentiments that people have expressed, but it's just not handholdy. Mm-hmm. You know, it tells you maybe, you know, every 90 minutes to maybe think about taking a break. But other than that, it doesn't constantly tell you, hey, here's how you're supposed to do this section or here's how you use this item or it just kind of lets you do your thing. And it has a hints uh, item uh, for you to use if you do get stuck or for people that – I don't like uh, how unhandholdy the game is, but it's just nice to have a Nintendo game that isn't constantly uh, telling you, hey, man, you've never played a video game before. Like, here's yeah. how you do this. And and Mario 3D World is the ex- exact same way, where it allows you to engage with a lot of mechanics and items that it doesn't explain until much later. And it does get around to explaining it for the people that maybe don't know exactly how it was working, but they just seem to be finding a better balance now in wanting to appeal to a wider audience 
but not pan, you know not being condescending to the folks that have been there forever. You know, maybe that's a result of the fact that they they find themselves in a spot where they have to appeal to the hardcore a little bit more than they did in the past. Um, but I don't know. I think it's an encouraging trend for Nintendo software-wise, even if uh, you know they're they're struggling overall overall for sort of the hardware race. I will say that that Mario 3D World does have its its one act of condescension, which is to give you the you are a failure suit after you die in a level like three times or something, <laughs> which I have gotten. More times than I would care to admit, thank you very much. Uh, and of course, obviously, you can just ignore that and play the level without using that suit if you want to. But uh, let's let's just be honest. If they're going to give you a suit that makes you just break everything, I'm going to use that suit. But, but you know what? That's a better way to handle it, which is it just shows yeah. up. It doesn't even tell you what it does. Right. You have to learn for yourself that it allows you to kill uh, previously invulnerable enemies in the Mario world, which is you know like the skeletons that always come back to life. You right. can kill those guys now. Um, it... I feel like that's the that's probably the best way to handle uh, sort of to, you know sort of beginner mode elements sure. is like it's there if you're a hardcore player and you're just tired of that goddamn level mm-hmm. you know here you go here's your here's your escape valve but you don't have to and it's not going to make you feel bad for it and it's not like a ninja gaiden that's going to you know call you a dog you know it's not dog mode yeah uh, because <laughs> because you can't <laughs> hack it and uh, yeah it's just interesting to see how they're handling that stuff and it seems like the way they're handling it is just kind of stepping away and then finding ways for you to engage uh with stuff that you don't understand only if you want to and the balance is nice because when you get you when you do use that suit it's hard like it's hard or impossible actually to get some of the level stars so you have you know you kind of have to balance do i just want to get to the end of this versus do i want to actually collect the things i need to do this so that that is i that is that was a smart design choice i think yeah and that that is also in a sea of really damn good games that we are Mm -hmm. in right now uh that is another really good one that you know cannot recommend enough that people check out i'm actually you know i played through it uh to completion uh, and got you know probably 75 percent of the stars um and stamps uh to to write the review uh, for the site Uh, but i am happily playing through it a second time right now and getting you know 100 percent on every stage before moving on to the next one and it's just Man, it's just such a good game, and th- that team is absolutely the best team that Nintendo has, and they do such a good job of that weird balancing act of the things that you remember and love while also having the brand new things that, that completely change your expectations and in a way that it just it, it leverages what you know uh, without uh, making it seem like it's just retreading old ground. So here's my question to you, and this is something that uh, uh, Jeff and I uh, were pondering when we were in the car the other night. Do you think that's your game of the year? It's it's a damn good game. You know, yeah. one of the things that we, we started talking about when I was in the office after uh, the Bombcast I was on was, uh, you know, this year doesn't seem to, you know, maybe Mario 3D World could be a, a late Dark Horse candidate, um, but there isn't really sort of a a game that we're all kind of rallying around. Yeah, there's no um, usually, clear choice. Uh, and, and usually there, it kind of ends up there being two of those games. It's just sort mm-hmm. of like two games that everyone really loves that, that we'd all be happy with being, you know, the, the game of the year. You know, last year that was The Walking Dead and XCOM. Um, yeah. And those are two goddamn good games that I'd, you know, be happy to crown as the best game that came out last year. And then it's just mostly a matter of figuring out uh, where arguments lie. But, you know, I keep track of all the games I play all year, I have a little notebook that I just keep all that stuff in, largely so that I don't forget 
some of the games from the first half of the year when I get around to to figuring out that list at the in the second half. And although this year doesn't have like a lot of huge standouts in in terms of like games that like hover above everything else, there were a lot of really good games that came out this year. Yeah, there's a lot of like what I would say you know were like definite favorites but not one that i would say oh well this was you know nothing that that knocked me completely on my ass like last of us pretty close mario definitely up there rayman legends is a game that i am still you know thumping hard for anywhere i i go but i, I got your back i i know you got my back i don't think anyone else is gonna have my back on that brad one. shoemaker is not gonna have our back on that he is a no. dirty rayman backstabber that has no honor he is a complete piece of shit. Uh, Brothers is another game that I like the whole hell of a lot. But if he's not going to back my Rayman play, I'm not going to back his brothers play. That's that's, that's how <laughs> politics works. I do. Uh, there, there is there is the you know I, I don't know if I've expressed it on the show before, but there is a uh, you kind of have to go into the game of the year stuff with a strategy. You do. Like you have you have to be willing to give things up in exchange for things. Uh, like I you know I wanted Rayman Origins on that top ten list and. Mortal Kombat had to be sacrificed. I found a way to get Mortal Kombat out of that top ten list so I could get Rayman Origins in there. And I still feel bad about it. Yeah. I still feel bad about it because Mortal you Kombat was a good game. a devious son of a bitch. But you know what? Sometimes <laughs> sometimes sacrifices have to be made, and that is that is how it works. But yeah, so there's like five games I would all say are really, really good, really great games. But I, I'm having a really hard time picking one over the other. You know, like they're all mm-hmm. really enjoyable, but like on kind of an equal plane for me. So that's... And none, none that I would immediately go, oh, well, that's the game of the year. You know, and no no instant choice there. So it's, this is going to be a bloodbath this year, I think. Like, even more so than usual. Yeah, I, I when I start to think about just trying to figure out how even the top ten shakes out. Like, I mean, there's just so many, there's there's a lot of, like, you know, let me pull up my list. I've got, let's see. You know, Devil May Cry came out this year. I really like that game. Um, TMC was pretty good. Uh, Fire Emblem Awa- Fire Emblem Awakening came out this year. Really yep. goddamn good game. Uh, year Walk, absolutely one of my favorite uh, games this year. Uh, Anti Chamber Six, which which yep. was also very well liked. Yeah, Ant- Anti Chamber, like that game came out this year. What? Um, Papers Please came out this year. Yeah, yeah. There's just ah, uh, yeah. Just looking through this list, there's just you know, Gone Home, Shadow on Returns, Gunpoint, uh, AC Four. AC4 Rogue, is probably going to be on my top 10. Rogue Legacy also came out this year. Uh, just, yeah, there's a ton of really great stuff. And, I mean, you know, I guess, you know, that's probably, the, you know, the best scenario possible is that whatever the top 10 list ends up being, uh, it's going to be a bunch of really good games, regardless of if it, it is, you know, equally representative of your own yeah. uh, personal top 10 list. Like, it's just going to have a bunch of really good games on it. I mm-hmm. feel like this has just been a super solid year. Uh, for games that you know yeah it's not you know something that changes your perception of video games but if you're just a fan of video games like 2013 has treated us pretty well yes it has and that, again you know to saying that there was a lot of really great stuff and not necessarily one like you know clear leading standout is not a, a knock on those games it's just that there's a lot of really neat stuff in you know in a new platform year there's always kind of less games to choose from in general uh but yeah, I mean, just the, the way the PlayStation 3 era closed out was really strong. Nintendo's had a ton of great stuff. There's been some really amazing handheld stuff. There's been an amazing swath of indie games, as you just listed off. So, 
God, yeah, all right. I'm going to have to start making, like, actually start plotting out my list because the last time I looked at it, it had, like, 24 games on it, and obviously that's going to have to come down some before we get to the get to the discussions here. Yeah, it's, it's going to be depressing. But uh, if, uh, if people have questions they want to uh, drop into the chat um, as we wind this down, uh, yes. we'll, we'll try and pull in some of those. Um, Did any news happen last week? I wasn't really paying attention, to be honest with you. I pulled up some stuff. PS4 launch went really well in the UK. Not a big shock. Sony uh, Sony has kind of always uh, dominated that territory. Uh, the UK has always kind of been a uh, PlayStation country. Uh, wouldn't be shocked if that uh, continues to be the case. You know, the Xbox doesn't you know perform the way they do in Japan, but it's just right. Sony has kind of always had... Uh, that territory unlock, and then it's kind of balanced out with Microsoft uh, having a lead in in the U.S. and we'll, right. we'll see if that shakes up at all uh, this time around. Uh, sounds like uh, Peggle Two, December 9th. Yes. So another reason to turn on uh, your Xbox One. Uh, I played on the... it. It's good. So you know, look yeah. forward to that one. Yeah, more Peggle. Um, you know, uh, Sega confirming the Shenmue Three trademark is fake. That's not a big shock. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get Shenmue 3, guys. Nope. Um, but it, I am looking forward to, I don't know if you saw that uh, Yu Suzuki is going to do a post-mortem uh, at GDC next year. Oh, really? With Mark, Mark Cerny translating. Huh. Um, which, that sounds super awesome. Like, Shenmue is a, a game that never really appealed to me when it came out, but I also, you know, I respect it for what it's, it's like just naked ambition. Um, and I would love to know more about how that game was made at the time. For sure. Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I imagine that he has a lot of interesting stories about the process of making those games and and that and certainly the uh, the many years of swirling rumors and you know aborted projects that have come since then. I've, that that seems like it would be a pretty fascinating talk. Hmm. Um. Oh yeah, Walking Dead season two comes out this month. Starts this. That's month. right. That's and right. I, it does. I could not be more excited for that. Could not be more excited for that. So I, I'm going under the mentality of both Wolf Among Us and Walking Dead Season 2 would be contenders for Game of the Year next year. Yeah. yeah. That's, I don't that's, think they've not, they've not announced a date for Episode 2 of Wolf, Wolf Among Us. As far no, as I, I think that's, that's either going to be the end of this month or it's going to be early next month. Yep. yep. So. Um, but yeah, looking forward to that. I think it's called All That Remains is the, the, the first episode of Season 2. And if you look at... Uh, telltale's uh, twitter account they have a background image that's kind of teasing it and it looks like looks like she's going to get into some trouble this season looks like it's not going to be an easy ride and i'm i'm looking forward to see what horrors uh, await uh from from telltale this time around is the whole soundtrack going to be that sick metalcore band all that remains man that's don't give them any ideas i, I don't Navarro. think they would do that regardless jared emerson johnson is a fine composer they don't need to license bands uh yeah yeah his, his music for the walking dead was good um, i went to elementary school with him really yeah him and jake weird i knew jake but i did man both those guys i went to elementary junior high and at least part of high school with them uh world of warcraft movie slips to march 2016 no shock there when star wars announced that it was falling on the same date uh mm-hmm. that would have been insanity uh for that to to stick there but um that's a movie that's going to happen. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not one of those uh, video game movies that uh, we keep hearing about, but never comes to fruition. Like that movie is, that movie is in the production train. That yeah. movie is going to get uh, shot next year, and uh, I am curious to see what Duncan Jones uh, does with it. 
this is going to be his either his breakout moment or it's going to be his uh heaven's gate like it's going to be you know either a complete disaster or it's going to be the thing that turns him into you know a fairly top level special effects driven you know big time blockbuster director i'm kind of hoping for that that latter scenario and definitely not for a uh a total blow up because I, as much as I don't care about World of Warcraft anymore, I think you could, you know, based on what I've read about that movie, I think you could make something interesting out of that with the right direction and script. So here's hoping. Yeah, uh, a lot of people in the chat saying that the UK is Xbox country, which that was not my impression of it, but I suppose it could have switched without me paying attention. Yeah, it's, I can, I cannot say that I pay super close attention to <laughs> the goings on in Europe, but if that's the case, that uh. That is I, interesting. Everyone I know who lives in the UK has a PlayStation 3. Some of them have Xboxes. So yeah. if, if anecdotally, it has always been my understanding that PlayStation brand has dominated uh, most of Europe, including the UK. But uh, maybe that has changed in recent years. I don't know. Or maybe the people I know who are all the people I know in, in the UK are just, you know, Sony fanboys or something. Yeah. Um, let's see. People asking uh, Fury Man, Fallout 4 shenanigans. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going around that maybe Bethesda had uh, registered uh, some domain names that hinted that a Fallout 4 uh, announcement might be imminent. Uh, sounds like some of that stuff may be a little suspect, but, you know, Bethesda's going to make Fallout 4. That's yeah. not... I, I would not I would be genuinely shocked if that was not uh, the next major game um, from Bethesda Game Studios. And they announced Skyrim at the VGAs in the past. I would not be shocked if they announced... Fallout 4 at the VGX. That seems uh, like exactly the kind of thing that they would use as a tentpole announcement at that show, which is not on TV this year, hilariously. Wait, really? It's yeah, not on Spike? It's not on Spike. They are not I doing will... it on TV this year. I, just... I, wonder if th- I wonder if that's why they changed the name then. I think that is one of the reasons, yes. Mm, interesting. That's weird. I mean, that doesn't shock me, but I wonder <laughs> I wonder what, wonder what B-list celebrity they like coax into hosting it this time around or did they already announce who's going to do it uh they have not announced who the host is uh and yeah like when i went and did a bonus round last week they were not talking about any of that stuff so i don't Mm. know if that's been decided and they're being secretive or they just haven't figured it out yet i am genuinely curious what nintendo is going to announce there because they made reggie made a big deal that he's going to show up at this and I don't think you show up to this event with another Smash Brothers trailer. No. I mean, the only way you could do that is if you had, like, a really long gameplay-ish heavy demo. Uh, But that would be... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's the the thing you can bring necessarily for that. I'm trying to think what they've announced for next year that they could show for the first time. I guess maybe that Yoshi game, but I don't think that's enough. I... I would... They could announce the new Zelda... They could, but I, I, from what I know, from what I've heard about that game, because like, I don't really know much of anything about it, uh, is that they are not that far along in it. So if they actually have footage to show, it's going to be super early. I, I just feel like a, a new Zelda or a new Metroid is the appropriate amount of holy crap for an announcement like that. I think if you just show up with a Smash Brothers trailer that's got a couple new characters, I mean, sure, that's gonna get that. But that community's already excited. You don't need to get the Smash Brothers community excited for a new Smash Brothers any more than uh, they already are. You know, I think if they want to have some sort of knockout punch where they've got people talking about them, like they need, they need something big. And you know, I mean, I think the Wii U 
is probably kind of a lost cause, except as a console that will be worth buying for a handful of really good games. Yeah. But if they want to generate any interest out of announcing like that, I really hope it's it's something big and not, uh, I don't know. I, a new Smash Brothers trailer would bum me out. My totally unsubstantiated, probably not true, but I'm just going to hope for it anyway theory, new F-Zero game. Why not? Okay. Cause probably because racing games don't sell that well that aren't Forza I mean, and Gran Turismo. I mean, look, shut up, uh, first <laughs> off. And second off, you're right, uh, but I'm still going to hope for it anyway. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, oh, uh, G. Vallow asks, any interest in the rumored Telltale Game of Thrones game? Uh, yes, because if you're talking about a dialogue-heavy, you know, sometimes action-heavy, you know, uh, mythology uh, and series, I, I could see Telltale doing that kind of thing pretty well. I'd also heard, like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I remember reading those original rumors and someone was saying it was like it was like a music-focused game or something. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know what they would do with Game of Thrones, but if some if if they were to announce that they were doing a Game of Thrones game in any context, regardless as to what it was, I would at least be intrigued by that. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, at least with the first episode of Wolf Among Us, Telltale has... Uh, sort of proven that they can continue what The Walking Dead started, and uh, they obviously know how to handle adaptations. I'd love to see them at some point, you know, think about doing something uh, completely original. But mm-hmm. you know, if even if that doesn't occur, you know, obviously they they find the best ways to take. You know, I think The Walking Dead game is better than The Walking Dead anything else, right. and I, th- I think they find interesting ways to pull out. Uh, you know, material and adapt it in a fashion that that plays to their strengths and plays to the strengths of games. Uh, so I'm 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 definitely curious and hopeful that that uh, turns out uh, to be accurate. Because uh, yeah, I would the, play the hell out of that. The game. The only reason I don't want that to be accurate is because deep down in my heart of hearts, I'm still hoping that they are working on that Clue adaptation that I know they are not working on at all. Uh, I've been <laughs> yelling at them to make a Clue game forever, and they won't do it. God damn it. I don't. I don't think we're gonna get that King's Quest game. I think we can probably assume that one is dead in the water. Because yeah. yeah, remember that they back when they announced both The Walking Dead and um, uh, Wolf Among Us, which I guess at that point was just called Fables. They also said, "Hey, we're making a new King's Quest." And then I have to imagine. I have to imagine that's dead. Probably. Yeah, I, I imagine that. Like once other things started getting going, they probably had to put that one by the wayside. Maybe one day. Yeah. So all right. Well. Alex, what can people what can people look forward to this week? What are you working on? Yeah, so I'll have Assassin's Creed Four uh, either written up for today or tomorrow. Uh, that will be a positive review. Spoiler: uh, I am probably going to be sitting in on the bombcast this week. Uh, we are looking at recording a power bombcast this week uh, while I am in the office. I think Rory and I are also going to try and do a movie podcast this week. So a lot of podcasting. Uh, and then, you know, I don't know, might sit on a couple quick looks, see how things go this week. We'll just, uh, play it by ear. Patrick, what do you have going on? Are you, are you in town all week? I'm just in town today and tomorrow. Uh, okay. I'm flying back on Wednesday. Okay. Uh, well, I need to, as soon as this closes, I mm-hmm. have to drive back to my parents' house, go grab the rest of my stuff. I don't have my PC here, so I'm uh, sort of limited, uh, on what I can do, uh, from this laptop, but, uh, I'm hoping, I've already got internet set up here. It's even faster. It's way faster than it was at my my uh my parents place nice. uh, so i'm hoping that i can get that you know today i have some interview dump trucks i can prepare uh so that people have have some stuff to, to go up on the site but i'm mostly hoping to spend today getting all my stuff in and get my setup 
uh, prepared so that I can kind of get back to normal operations uh, tomorrow. Um, so I'm hoping to maybe try and do uh, a Spooking with Scoops uh, later this week. I just can't quite nail down a time until I've got everything set up here. But uh, sure. that is that is the, tentatively the plan. Uh, and then other than that, yeah, I've got a bunch of uh, interviews. I do recommend people check out uh, the one that I put up, uh, I think, on Thanksgiving. Uh, it's uh, one with this uh, writer and cosplayer, uh, Maddie Myers. It was a super fascinating interview uh, where I just I don't know anything about cosplay. And I think we, you know, for most people, cosplay is just something that they flip through an image gallery uh, of every once in a while. And it was just this really interesting interview uh, where she was able to articulate a lot of what makes, you know, cosplaying interesting uh, right. to people that actually do it. Uh, so I recommend people checking that out. And I've got, let's see, I've got an interview uh, with uh, the game uh, designer Porpentine that uh, I'll have up sometime this week. I've got this awesome interview with the Typing of the Dead uh, Overkill uh, development team. Oh, awesome. Um, talking about how their studio went under in the middle of that game's development and how they reshuffled around to keep that game alive. Um, and then I also have an interview with uh, the writer of, uh, I think it's Stay what's the Diablo quote? Stay a while and listen. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean. I do you know, know what, what I mean. you mean. I can't. I, I can't place the words together though. Unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Anyway, he he uh, he wrote a book uh, about the development of Diablo um, and sort of the evolution of Blizzard North. And so we chatted with him about some cool anecdotes that he picked up while writing that book. Uh, so that'll be up uh, sometime this week too. And then yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure when I'm going to be connecting with uh, that asshole Max Temkin. But now that I live in Chicago. Uh, him and I have some pretty cool ideas, uh, and I'm also looking forward to uh, being able to do uh, some more uh, quick looks with some folks uh, that are out here uh, in Chicago. And the last thing I will would probably can't do it this week, but we need to get to it soon, is mm-hmm. we need to play some more Risk of Rain. God, yes, we do. Uh, when I get back to New York and we are through this week, uh, I am up for any Risk of Rain anytime you want. Yeah, game? let's let's say let's tentatively say uh, risk of rain uh, for next week, and I think we may need to do that more than once because I think that I want that to be my excuse uh, to play more of that game because I, I keep thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I, it's weird. Like I, I, I've told a couple of people about that game uh, over the last couple of weeks, and all the people I have told about it who have actually gone and played it uh, have immediately come back to me and said, "Man, you weren't fucking kidding about that game." I keep yeah. playing that game. What is going on with that game, man? So, yeah, I, I think that the the virus of that one is starting to spread bit by bit. Cool. All right. Well, Alex, I will uh, talk to you on Friday. We were supposed to have a guest today, but because we didn't have a Friday show and I was in the middle of moving, uh, we unfortunately didn't have enough time to prepare, but uh, we will reschedule uh, David S. Gallant, who uh, is, a, is a super cool dude, and we'll have him on uh, sometime soon. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I will I will talk to you on Friday.